Welcome to Educate to Elevate, the Home Educators Hub, the podcast dedicated to helping you unlock the full potential of home education. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Educate to Elevate. We're so excited for this podcast recording because this is our Christmas edition and we just love Christmas. I have my Christmas sweater on. I think that's your Christmas sweater, Carmen, because I love that green with the stars. And I have my Christmas nails on. You can't see them, but they're here. And I was thinking when the girl was doing my decorating of the nails, when I started decorating my nails. And I remembered that I started doing it as a way to have intentionality around my conversations with my little tween students, my fourth and fifth and sixth graders. In Mexico, sixth grade is still part of elementary school. It's not middle school. And I wanted a way in to be able to have intentional conversations with them when I walked around the hallways and in the, in the playground. And they just got so excited every time I did my nails. So they would run up to me and they want to see it. And I was a lot more extravagant back then because I was younger, but I would do all sorts of things, um, the school colors and the school mascot and stuff like that. And they would love it. And so it became a little bit of a tradition to every two weeks come see what Ms. Rita had done with her nails. And so I was remembering that, um, well, the girl that was doing my nails this time said, do you want me to put some beads on it or some glitter and stuff? And it's been a long time since I've done, you know, that kind of extravagant nail design. And I'm like, why not? I have a tween granddaughter and maybe nail decorating will be a way to start a deep conversation and be intentional around that. And I love that we can come up with ideas like that, that can help us better communicate with the younger generation and with our kids and grandkids. And they're simple things, right? They're simple things, but they, that they can create this environment where we can have such fun talking about things that might seem mundane, but that can become meaningful if we put meaning around them. Yes. I love, you've said two words that have just really been bubbling up in my heart as I've been thinking about our topic. Um, and talking about traditions and specifically around Christmas. And you've said the word intentional and you've said the word simple. And mm -hmm. those are two, those are two words that, that I've really been spending a lot of time thinking about. So I'm excited to move forward with this conversation. Yes, because I, like I said, the, the, decorating of the nails sort of became a tradition. And today I want to talk about traditions and the importance that traditions have in building a strong family bond. And so I was doing a little bit of research because of course we have our personal experiences, but it's always good to go back to the research and see if somebody has taken the time to study why traditions are important. And guess what? They have. 
And one of the things that resonated with me the most about the research was this statement that traditions transcend generations. And to me, that's so impactful because it means that our lives can go on, right? The impact of our life, of our decisions, of our intentionality, of our simplicity, of the resonating beauty of who we are as a family can live on in the next generations. And I've had the great privilege, I think both of us had the amazing privilege of having our grandparents live a very long life. And so we were able to see that the impact of that transition or passing the baton from one generation to another, kind of like a live event, right? <laughs> Happening before our eyes because uh, our grandmother lived for such a long time. And my grandparents on my dad's side of the family also lived uh, long lives. My grandfather died two months short of his 100th birthday. And my grandmother was already in her mid-90s you know, 90s as well. And so just having the privilege of sitting down and talking with somebody that could share experiences from the past century was amazing in the 20th century, right? Because my grandparents on my dad's side of the family were born in the 1800s, 1897. They were both born. And so being able to share that with our children and because my grandfather lived to almost 100, my youngest daughter got to know him. At, he didn't die until she was three years old. And she has amazing memories of him because she, we lived next door to him. So she used to run to his house and sit on his lap. He was already in a wheelchair and he couldn't really see, but she was so bubbly as a little girl. And she was so sure of herself that she was like, Tito, you really love me, don't you? You think I'm the prettiest baby in the world. And she would just have these conversations with him and he would just laugh and make his day. And those, those experiences have really shaped my perspective on the importance of establishing traditions that transcend generations. And that's a little bit about what I want to talk about today. That's, I'm all aboard. You said <laughs> another word I've been thinking about, which is uh, transcendence. And, mm -hmm. you know, as always, I'm pleasantly surprised about the ongoing threads of connection between our conversations. So let's keep going. Yes. Well, I think Christmas is the perfect time to talk about traditions, right? Because there's just so many traditions around Christmas in every culture. I think that it's a time of um, retrospect and joy and peace. And that's what we want it to be. And I know it's not that for everybody. We've lived experiences around those times that sometimes bring sadness and uh, other emotions tied to holiday seasons and 
it's important to understand that not everybody is in a very joyful mood. But it's still a time, even if it's a time of, you know, working out pain or difficult situations or losses, it's still a time where we can sit down and think about what we want it to look like for the future and what we want it to look like for our children. And I wanted to share my mom's uh making of traditions, of Christmas traditions for our family, because every time I share it with somebody, they're like, oh my gosh, really? (laughs) They can't believe how intentional she is. And I know she got this from her mom, because Tita was definitely very intentional about making it about family, no matter what, and and whoever was there. But I want to share a little bit about my mom and how she's established these traditions in our family with such intentionality. Um, I'm not going to say simplicity because my mom is not a simple person. (laughs) She likes to go all out with stuff, right? But at the same time, there is a thread of simplicity because it's a continuum. Right? And when something is continuous, when there's a routine around it, it becomes simpler. And, and everybody knows what's expected, right? It, even if, if she makes a big deal about things, it's still something that we can all walk into because it's expected. It's something that's happened for so many years. And so it all started when I was going to get married. I'm the oldest of my sisters. And so I was the first one to get married. And I was so surprised when I think Leon and I had been married for like maybe two months and we got married in December. So there was still 10 more months till Christmas. Um, So she had really been thinking about it. And one day she just came to us and said, well, you know, I really don't like this thing of people hurrying from one place to another and from one house to another during Christmas. And so I just want to propose that from now on, you guys spend Christmas Eve with your in-laws and you spend the 25th Christmas Day with us. And that way we're not, you know, fighting for each other and whatever. So she kind of decided, right? And so from that year on, for the next 37 years that I've been married, that's the way it's been. And all of my sisters, when they got married, kind of just fit in to the rhythm. And so the 24th is is with our in-laws and the 25th is with my parents. Um, Now that you know, we all have married children and grandchildren. Obviously, we can't be all of the all of us the 25th with my parents. But we've, you know, created a tradition in our own families where our own children are continuing that rhythm, but especially mm-hmm. for the 25th. So about two or three weeks before Christmas, we receive an email from my mother with all of the instructions for the 25th, for the day all planned out with a schedule. This is moment of arrival. This is moment of putting the gifts under the tree. This is moment of the grandkids telling jokes. This is the moment of the 
family game. And then this is the moment of grandpa reading the Christmas story. And then this, so we get the whole schedule. So nobody is surprised when they come of what's going to happen when we arrive. We, everything's already planned for us. And let me tell you, that's amazing. Um, and grandkids are looking forward to what their role is going to be during the day. And even Christmas gift openings are, is on the schedule. And then um, we always, always, always eat my dad's waffles for brunch because the whole thing starts around 11 because nobody wants to get up early on the, you know, they do Santa Claus in their own house and then come to, to grandma and grandpa's. Can I interrupt you for just yes, a second? Yes, of course. Do you want to know especially who doesn't want to get up that early on the 25th? Your mom. Yes. I just got to love that about her. I mean, I so identify with that. Anyway. Absolutely. I, lo I, love, I love that she's doing this elaborate thing for her family, but she's also doing her own self-care and, you know, Absolutely. something she really needs, which is to start at 11. Anyway, go ahead. Yes. And especially because she doesn't want excuses around people not showing up. Right. She like expects everybody to show up and to show up on time because there's a schedule to follow. Right. And so um, yeah, so she gets up a little bit earlier than everybody else with my dad to set the table, which is always very elegantly done, uh, with the nice china and no paper plates. Um, everything is very nice set up and they put out the waffle display. So we have berries and whipped cream and all types of syrups. And it's just like a waffle bar. And my dad does the waffles for everybody. So we have three or four waffle irons going at a time. And we have waffles for breakfast. And then for dinner, we have the leftovers from Christmas Eve. And she makes them into tortas. So we have turkey tortas or ham tortas, which is amazing <laughs> at the end of the day. After all of the games and jokes and everything that she plans so amazingly. But what I really want to focus on is the fact that today we have grandchildren living all over. Mexico and the U.S. We're all spread out. We very rarely are able to all of us get together at my parents' house on the 25th. I don't think we've done it in the last five or six years. It's very difficult now with everybody having their families and, and being in different parts of the world. But I want to tell you something. On the 25th, every single one of them has waffles for breakfast. And we all send pictures to my parents saying, we're here having waffles with you. And so we're not there physically, but we're all doing the same thing at the same time and sharing the experience through the amazing power of technology and doing FaceTimes and Zoom calls so that everybody can see everybody else eating waffles on the 25th in the morning. And so that takes me to the other results of this survey, this little research they did. And it's about creating identity and belonging. 
in a family and you don't have to be as elaborate as my mom gets. My, my mom is over the top. <clears throat> you can do something simple, but creating a tradition and a routine around a special moment creates that sense of belonging. And I remember um, our daughter, our, our daughter Rita got married December 18th, just a few days before Christmas. We thought we're going to be so tired after that wedding to also put on a Christmas something. So what I'm going to, I decided I'm just going to rent a little cabin somewhere up in Santa Isabel or somewhere in Big Bear or something. I can't remember where we went, but it was a five hour drive. Right after the wedding, we'll just wedding will just go and we'll spend Christmas over there in the cabin with everybody and just rest because we're going to be crazy tired after that wedding. And so I did. We rented the cabin and that this was before Airbnbs. <laughs> we rented the cabin and um, we took off on the 19th to go up to the cabin and we rented it for a week and we were just going to lay there and rest and do nothing. And we were going to have a really laid back, you know, Christmas Eve dinner, like sandwiches or something. We didn't want to do a big deal because we were all tired. And we all went, uh, the, the kiddos and my husband and I. And the 23rd, we're kind of sitting there planning what we're going to have for dinner the next day and what we're going to do. And it's snowing and it's cozy. And we're talking and, and Suddenly the kids realize, oh, so we're not going to be at grandma and grandpa's on the 25th. We're going to be here in the cabin. And I'm like, yes, we're going to miss it this year because we're resting, right? We're just going to have a simple Christmas. I'll go ahead and make pancakes or something for you guys on the 25th. And they're like, heck no. I don't care how long it takes us to drive back. We are going to be sitting at waffles at grandma and grandpa's for the 25th. So we had sandwiches on the 24th, packed everything up and left at six in the morning on the 25th. So the kids could be sitting at grandpa and grandpa, grandma and grandpa's having waffles on the 25th. And I, want to share, I wanted to share that because I hadn't remembered that in a long time, but as I was preparing for this conversation, I was like, I remember that. And how impactful it was for my husband and I at that time, 15 years ago, that these kids would rather die than not be at grandma and grandpa's for waffles on the 25th. And driving back, for five and a half hours to get there on time. And that just impacted my life in a way that I said to myself, oh my gosh, when my mom's not here anymore, who's actually going to continue these traditions so that my grandchildren can feel the same way about sitting in my house at a certain time, whatever, you know, we've created other traditions, different traditions in, in our family. And, but it's about that. It's about how, what are we doing to intentionally create spaces for identity and belonging in our families that 
that our children can be absolutely sure who they are and where they belong. And this is why traditions are so important. It's not about buying things or having the best china or, you know, even making waffles. It's about what can happen in your family, right? What's happening in your family? What, I, what can you identify that is important in your family so that you can start creating a routine that gives your children safety but also transcendence? Yes. Um, those are exactly, you know, the things that I've been thinking about and the connection between our last conversation about Maslow's pyramid and hierarchy of needs. We talked about how the need for love and belonging is right at the heart of that. And somehow our brains are hardwired of course we all know we need love and belonging but we're also hardwired to have this desire to know that there's transcendence that mm. there's meaning and purpose and so when i was studying for our little talk about maslow's i saw several places that were talking about how the missing pinnacle the top of the pyramid should be transcendence mm. because it it is an innate and family traditions are not just sort of a nice thing to do and a way to create family. I think they're essential mm. and essential, just like you said, for creating a, a true sense of love, belonging, and identity. And I'm thinking about Brene's, Brene Brown's very insightful definition of belonging, which is the opposite of fitting in. Mm -hmm. And as the parent of a teen and a former teen, I've seen the pain and the struggle of wanting to fit in with peers and compromising your true identity. And that is not belonging. Yeah. Belonging is feeling completely accepted and not having to compromise your authenticity or integrity. You're just welcome to be 100% who you are. And this is what we do as we create the atmosphere in our home, as we set the table, so to speak, and make sure everybody has their place and feels like they belong. And those traditions are, are really powerful. And for me, they've been an anchor to keep me steady in a time where I have had to work through periods of intense grief and loss. They're like an anchor and, and touchstones that keep me center and grounded and remind me who I am. And we are so fortunate that we were the, you know, I was the first grandchild and you were the second grandchild. Mm -hmm. So we got to experience a version of our grandparents that our much younger cousins have not. They had a different experience, <clears throat> but my oldest still has very vivid memories of our grandparents and especially the family trips. 
were mm-hmm. so special uh, besides the Christmas traditions. And those core memories are so vital. I'm having the really beautiful experience of being able to understand at a deeper level how necessary they are because I'm parenting a child who has only memories of chaos and trauma. Mm. Those are his traditions up until he was removed from his biological home. Mm -hmm. And he has such a longing in his heart for marking the times, marking the seasons for celebrations. And one beautiful thing that he's taught me is to allow him to have a voice truly belonging at the table means he's allowed to bring his voice and longings and his own ideas to our a family table of traditions. And he's introduced me to new things that we're doing that are exciting and fun for him. Also pushed me to try things that are not necessarily in my comfort zone. I'm going to do something Mm. even new this year. Because one thing I've learned is you're never too old to keep learning (laughs) and push yourself and try something new. You never arrive. So he has this longing in his heart to be the head pastry chef in Santa's workshop bakery. This is just amazing. His his idea that our kitchen will transform into this incredible cookie baking center where I am the assistant who only speaks. Well spoken to, you can imagine how, and I'm going to do it. Of course. I'm probably, I'm probably going to be suffering, but I know that there will be joy in, in most of it, but I don't like to bake people. I'm there for cooking a hundred percent, but baking just requires so much precision and so much attention to detail. And I just hate it when I burn stuff and I don't even have well, the right Well, aren't you equipment. glad you're not going to have to say anything? No, you're not going to have to um, do anything. I'm not He's going to do it. Say anything out loud. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We're, we'll videotape the whole thing and just to document the process. But um, I'm going to open myself up for surprises, and I have to go out and buy stuff that I don't have that's not going to be Christmas presents. Mm-hmm. But. It's important to keep in mind how essential this is for everyone's heart and that my daily life is his childhood. I love that. Right. Another thing I've really been thinking about is how my oldest now works in a medical, in a psychiatric hospital. There's different Mm -hmm. grades of psychiatric hospitals and Thankfully, this one is a little milder one, and it's a private situation, and it's all trauma-informed, and it's a tough experience, but a good experience. But one of the things they talk about in their training is you need to be prepared that you can be mandated to come in over Christmas holidays because there's just an explosion 
of admittances because the people who are lonely and homeless and depressed and don't have a sense of family, all of this comes up. So one of the things I've really had in my heart is I think we all probably know someone who is struggling or depressed and is not that fun to be around. And maybe we don't want to invite them (laughs) to our holiday gatherings. Or sometimes there tends to be a lot of judgment when you are going through depression or definitely around homelessness. Just so Mm -hmm. much judgment and so much condescension. And if when things don't fit neatly and tidily into our plans that we have and are very closely, closely tightened circle, maybe we don't make enough room for that empty seat at the table that we're asked to, to keep open. Yeah. And I've really been thinking how, what can I do? What can I do? Not just for the people who will find themselves at that facility during that time, but what can I do for my son's colleagues? Because it's a really stressful, hard job and they work over those holidays. So yeah, just yeah, that's, those are my thoughts. You'll think of something. Days. I know you will. You'll think of something. It reminds me of uh, a year now that my parents can't gather all of their family together every Christmas, especially on the 24th, because everybody goes to their in-laws, so they end up being by themselves quite a bit. But my parents are senior pastors at a church, and I remember there was a couple of years that they would invite the recently divorced men to their Christmas New Year to their Christmas Eve dinner because they found themselves alone without their children for the first year. Usually they ended up in the mom's house and in the mom's family and they were pretty much alone. And so my dad had this idea of inviting the guys. So it was my mom feeding all these guys, um, but giving them a sense of family and saying, hey, you didn't lose everything, right? And those first years after a divorce are so hard, so difficult for everybody involved. But dad had a heart for the guys. Of course, he's a guy and he, he knew that they would be lonely. And so they would prepare a special Christmas Eve dinner for four or five guys that that they would minister during that time. And I was remembering that as you were speaking, like you can always find room in your heart to extend those traditions to other people that need to have that anchor in their life as well. And it's, it's such a beautiful time to be able to give to others. And especially, I think, Carmen, one of the words that resonates with me is the word hope. And if you have someone there that's willing to give of themselves in in any capacity to bring a little bit of peace or a little bit of joy or a little bit of um, fun or like we're saying, 
traditions to you, sharing in their traditions with you, then there's always hope, right? There's always hope that next year can be better, that the circumstances can be different, that can, we can grow out of the difficult situations in our lives and still create spaces for hope for other people as we grow from our own experiences. Agreed. 100. It's so much fun to talk about our memories of our childhood and of our family. We always enjoy sharing those memories with our listeners. Um, and I think it's just an opportunity to go back and be able to just be grateful for the gift we had as children to have our grandparents, to have our great grandparents, to have that transcend generational, right? Transcendence in our lives and in the lives of our children and just being able to share those experiences with you really helps us um, just share our message, I think, in a better way, but also to be able to establish what the values of Home Educator Institute are and the, the value of inclusion and making sure that there's a seat at the table for everyone. And that if your experiences were not the same as ours, that you know that you can join in with us at any time, right? That, um, and another important thing, and this is what I would like to close with, because I'm sure everybody's ready to go and do their, their December 24th stuff. But I do want to close with this. And this is the beautiful gift of humankind is that you can always be the first link in your family, right? We have the privilege of having, I don't know, four, five, six generations still impact our generation. But that doesn't matter if you didn't have that because you can be the first link to establish a different kind of life for your generations to come. And that is a gift that you can leave your children and grandchildren. And there's always, every day is a new opportunity to start something new and to start something different. Because you know what? Traditions have to start somewhere. Somebody started making waffles December 25th in my family. Somebody did. Well, you can be that somebody in your family with whatever you want to make, wings or, or nothing, <laughs> reading something at some time or, you know, going out for a walk or I don't know, whatever it is that you think will resonate with your family and with your children. It's okay. It doesn't have to be waffles. It can be whatever you decide, but you can be the first generation. And let me tell you, five generations from now, somebody's going to look back and say, remember when grandma, great grandma, great, great grandma, so-and-so started the Christmas walk. And they're, they're going to look back and say that one action, that one intentional, simple decision 
brought identity and belonging to our family. And you can be that. And that is amazing to be able to be the first. Amen. We'll have a merry, merry Christmas, and we'll see you for our New Year's episode. Thanks for joining the conversation. Please comment, like, and share if you're as passionate as us when it comes to elevating and educating children and youth. Want to reach us? Connect on social at Home Educator Institute.